I wanted to show you something I take with me wherever I go. This is my box of personal failures. Uh, when I get in my truck, load up the box. When I go to work, take the box into the office. When I'm having a conversation with a friend or a staff member, got the box right by my side. When I go to lunch with a friend, take the box of failures. Okay, let me show you. Let's see what we got in here. Oh, this. This is a painful memory of failure. This softball is meant to remind me that 40 years ago, when I first came to this church, first week here, our church had a softball game with another church. And so I thought, well, I'll go, I'll play. And so I grabbed my hat, my glove, my bat, went to the game. They didn't know me from Adam. Um, but in the middle of the game, they put me in, third base. And uh, first hit that came at me was like a rocket. I didn't even have time to think. Just on instinct, I stabbed down, grabbed the ball, uh, throw the guy at it first. They left me in the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, the last inning of the game, we're up by one run. They're have, the other team's having their last at bat. Um, two outs, they've got the bases loaded. And the batter hits a routine ground ball to me. All I got to do, snag it, throw it, get the out, we win. I choke. Ball goes between my legs. Two runs score. We lose. And I feel like the biggest loser in the world. Um, okay. <laughs> Goodbye to that. Let me see what else. See what else I got in here. Okay. These are some gym shorts. Yeah. What are you laughing at? Don't think about my skinny legs sticking out of these things. Um, sophomore in high school, I was in a new town, new school. I was a new kid, didn't know anybody, no friends. Man, I wanted to make the basketball team. Not varsity, not JV, just wanted to make the sophomore team. So I practice and practice in our driveway our new house and our new neighborhood. And on the very first day of basketball practice, there's a shoot around before practice. And so I'm with the other guys shooting around. I think I'm doing pretty good. Hoping the coach is, you know, noticing me. He blows the whistle to start practice, lines us up against the gym wall. He calls our attention to a red line running across the gym wall. He says, that line is at six feet. I look up at the line. He says, if your head is below that line, we don't need you. You can hit the showers. Um, thanks for coming. That was it. I didn't go to the showers. I didn't break a sweat. But I as I walked across the gym, I felt like the biggest loser in the world. And it wasn't just because I was wearing these. Um, what else have I got here? Oh, this is the first sermon that I ever preached bombed big time. Last week. <laughs> oh, serious. Okay, this ball of yarn reminds me of the girl who broke my heart when I was a senior in high school. We were in civics class together. One of her friends came up and told me, hey, she wants you to invite her to the Christmas dance. She's on the court. She wants you to be her escort. 
And I thought, well, that, that's cool. I will. I, I did ask her. She said yes. We did some other dating leading up to the dance, did the dance. I drive her home in my parents' big boat-sized Buick, and I'm sitting behind the steering wheel. She's hugging the door on the opposite side, and she says to me, life is like a ball of yarn. Unravel it if you can. What? That's it? No goodbye kiss? As she gets out of the car and hustles toward the house, I'm like, I've got to be the biggest loser in the world. What I didn't know was she had a boy, boyfriend in college who couldn't come home for the dance. So I was the fill-in. I still hate her. <laughs> you know, isn't that, isn't that ridiculous though? But you do it too. We walk around carrying around Every personal failure from something as much as an air, church, softball, what kind of big deal is that? I can still see it in my sleep. And it, it distorts our perspective of ourselves. It distorts our perspective of others because we take our failures into our relationships and often impose them upon other people. It distorts our relationship with God. We see our failures as undeniable evidence that we are beyond hope. How could God love? How could God use? God's got to be through with me. We see our failures as the undeniable evidence that we are without hope. Um, I'm going to take a little survey in a second. These are the failures of my life um, let me see if we connect on any level with a few others. Uh, don't raise your hand, but has anybody ever failed a class or got a big red F on a test that you flunked? Um, have you ever been let go from a job? Have you ever suffered a financial setback? Have you ever blown an audition or an interview? Uh, have you ever thrown up on a roller coaster? Another first date. <laughs> Didn't get a second date with that girl. Um, have you ever lost your patience with a three-year-old or a 13-year-old? <laughs> I said don't hold up your hands yet. <laughs> have, uh, have you ever forgotten to pick your kid up from school? My son Jake is 40 years old and he won't let me forget. Okay, now let's just do a little survey. That's my stuff. Let's see where our stuff comes together. Um, raise your hand if you have ever uh, failed academically or on the athletic field. Raise your hand if you've ever failed on the job or had a financial failure. Uh, if you ever had a parenting failure. Or a relationship, marital failure. Raise your hand if you failed in any way. What a bunch of losers. <laughs> but, but here's the bad thing. We begin to think that there's no hope that we are stuck at this place, that we are mired in this mediocrity, that relationships are never going to work out for us. 
that even our relationship with God, there is this huge barrier between us and God and the barrier is our failures. We feel like we've blown it one time too many. We feel like this time we went too far. I want to give you some great good news. God's unfailing love, unlimited love, God's unshakable love. His love can't be, his love for you can't be shaken by any failure you experience. God's unfailing love gives hope to failures like us. There's a lot of things in this life that are overrated. Football teams get overrated. Restaurants are overrated. Vacation destinations are overrated. Lots of stuff in this life that are overrated, but hope is not one of them. Hope is everything. When we're down flat on our back from a failure, it's hope that gets us back on our feet and moving forward again. When we're down in the pit of despair, hope is the light that we can reach out, grab hold of, that will lift us up. When we're hurting, hope heals. When we're lost because of a failure, hope leads us back to God. Hope is everything. When our failures weaken us, hope is our sustaining strength. When hope, thinks we, when hope makes us feel like we will never recover, our God is still on his throne, still in control, and still loving us, loving us, loving us with an unfailing, unending, unlimited love. So this, this book, I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're new to the Christian faith, this book is a book of hope. And it is filled page after page, chapter after chapter, book after book with characters that blew it as miserably and as often as you and I have. I mean, they did the worst thing at the worst time to someone they loved. They did the worst thing at the worst time in the presence of God. It wrecked them. It wrecked their relationships. It wrecked their relationship with God. But it's one of the reasons that I believe this Bible is absolutely true, cover to cover, because it doesn't try to wash over or hide the fact that the characters, the heroes within its pages are just as screwed up as we are, fail just as miserably, just as often as we have. One of those characters was a guy named Peter. I mean, he was a nobody with nothing from nowhere until he met Jesus. And meeting Jesus turned his life upside down, turned it absolutely around. When when there are thousands of people thronging to be in the presence of Jesus, Jesus personally selects Peter to be one of his 12 closest followers. In fact, Jesus invited Peter to be one of his three best friends. In fact, Peter became the right-hand man to Jesus. He would never forget the day that Jesus looked him in the eye like he was looking into his heart and said, Peter, I believe you got it in you to be like me. Peter, I believe you got it in you to do what I do. Come, follow me. And he did walked away from a fishing business, walked away from his family and followed Jesus 24-7 every day, every night, every week, every month for three years, fell head over heels in love with following Jesus, loved Jesus more than life itself. There is nothing that Peter wouldn't do for Jesus. Make any sacrifice, bear any burden, fight any fight for Jesus. 
In fact, on the night, right before Jesus is crucified, the night before, Jesus calls this like holy huddle and uh, gathers around him Peter and 10 other guys. Here's what happens. Jesus told them, uh, tonight all of you will desert me. Peter declared, hey, even if all the rest of these losers desert you, I never will desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows in morning, uh, you will deny me three times. Deny that you even know me. No way, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Fast forward a few hours, it's past midnight, the wee hours of the morning, and an armed, angry mob, armed with swords and clubs, torches, they take Jesus by force. And what he had promised, what he had prophesied comes through, all of his friends desert him. They bolt, they bail on him, they run for their lives, afraid they'll be arrested too. It's just that Peter, he stops running, thinks, what was I thinking, what have I done? Turns on his heel and follows the mob and Jesus at a discreet distance, just out of the shadows of the torchlight, Peter follows. He sees them shove Jesus into the doorway of the house of the high priest. So Peter enters the courtyard of the high priest and in that day houses didn't have windows and doors like we did. They had windows and doors, but you could look right into the house and from in the house, you could look right out into the courtyard. Well, Peter's a little insecure by everything that's going down. And so he tries to be as inconspicuous as possible, kind of pulls up his hood, blends in with a small group of people warming their hands at a charcoal, at a charcoal fire. He's, he's recognized immediately. Hey, aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? Are you kidding me? No, that's crazy tech. I don't know who you're talking about. Another guy says, I know what I'm talking about. I saw you with Jesus. No way, no way. I have never met the man. Then a third guy gets up in his face and snarls and says, admit it. You, you, you are a follower of Jesus. Peter goes ballistic. He loses it. He starts cursing, calling down curses on himself, cursing his accusers. He even calls down curses on Jesus. And in that moment, the moment that he curses Christ, a rooster crows at the break of day. And as that rooster crows, here's what happens. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. You ever wonder what that look felt like to Peter? Jesus heard, Jesus saw, Jesus knows. I think I know what that look felt like because I have this awareness, I'm cognizant of the fact that my Jesus is God and he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He was present and heard the vile words that were spewed from my mouth. He was present and saw the ugly behavior that came out of me in anger. He knows. He saw, he heard, he knows my sin. And what is true of me is true of you. I think we all know what that, look, what that look felt 
like. Well, Peter, man, now he really bolts in tonight. This time he's not running scared. This time he's being chased by demons of regret. Oh my gosh, if I hadn't, oh God, turn back time so I get another chance. Oh God, I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. And he runs until he just can't run another step and he collapses in a heap of guilt, choking on his shame, just starts out of control, sobbing. I mean, not ordinary weeping. I mean, the kind of sobbing where it's loud and guttural and ugly and spit and snot or flying out of you. And he can't stop. He cries until there's no more tears until he can't make another sound. He has wrecked everything. He will never, never recover from this failure, from these denials, from these curses, from this sin. Later that day, he gets the unthinkable news that Jesus is crucified. No, no, you, you can't be serious. Yes, crucified, and not just that. Peter, they beat his face beyond recognition. You wouldn't even have recognized him. And they took whips to his back. Two strong-armed Roman soldiers just tore his back apart with 39 lashes. I don't know how they did it. I don't know what was done. But they had torn his beard out by the roots. And then they drove the nails through his wrists and through his feet. And And he had such trouble breathing on the cross. He did it for six hours, but after six hours, Peter, he's gone. He's dead. It's over. Peter thinks he'll never get over what he's done now that Jesus is gone. (laughs) Oh, baby. But then Sunday comes, the very first Easter, Jesus is risen from the dead. Oh my gosh, unstinking, believable, but absolutely undeniable. In fact, Peter sees Jesus. Peter talks to Jesus. Peter touches Jesus. Peter sits down and has a meal with Jesus. But it was all a struggle. Every conversation, if it's at the table with Jesus and friends, Peter's always kind of got his back turned, just talking to somebody else because he cannot look Jesus in the eye. Even when he touched, can't look him in the eye. Even when he talked, can't look him in the eye. Now he lives that nightmare every day. Sleepless nights. Here's the truth. Peter was about to learn that we need to learn this morning. What Peter had done, he could not undo. The wisest thing for me is not to focus on what I've done. The wisest thing for you is not to focus on the failure, not to focus on the shame, not to focus on your sin, but to focus on not what you've done, but what Jesus has done for you. You can't change what you've done, so you focus on what Jesus has done for you. And what he had done for Peter, he's done for you. He took Peter's place on the cross, bore his sin and his shame on the cross. That's what he's done for you and I. He died taking the penalty of our sin. Every mistake, every sin, every failure, Jesus took our place and took all the punishment of God due us for every vile word, every dark behavior, every wicked thought, all our sin, Jesus took it on himself. 
if I believe that Jesus is God who came to earth through human birth, lived a sinless life, knew no sin and did no sin, and then willingly laid his sinless life down on the cross to pay for my sin, if I believe that, then all my sins are forgiven. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, all your sins are forgiven. If I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead by God, if God raised Jesus, if I believe that, then I am justified. It's just as if I never sinned. Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. So, what has to happen for us to get there? What? I mean, was it possible for a failure like Peter to get a second chance? a fresh start, a clean slate, a, a new life. Is it possible for you? I believe today God brought you here to have you walk out these doors with new life. Putting your past behind you, bearing your baggage, getting a second chance, getting new life, making you a new creation. Here's how it happened for Peter. He was willing to do whatever it would take to get to Jesus. I don't mean, uh, the same is true of us, but I don't just mean showing up uh, in the room for a 1030 Sunday service or showing up on your device to watch this service online. I mean in your home or in this room, fully surrendering your life completely every aspect of your life, everything, surrendering everything to Jesus. Do whatever it takes to get to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Well, after about three weeks of, of the pain of his failure, even having seen Jesus risen from the dead, that's good news, Jesus is God, but Peter is still gross. So he leaves, grabs six of his friends, piles them into a boat, they go fishing. I mean, the sun is just going down over Mount Arabah. Darkness settles on the lake. That's the best time to fish. Peter was a fisherman. He knew all the best places to fish. He knew all the techniques. He knew the right time. But this all-nighter of fishing was a waste of time. They caught nothing. And now Peter feels like he's failed at the only thing he was ever good at. Sure, I can't follow Jesus. Sure, God is done with me. Sure, they're through with me, God and Jesus. But I, I thought I could go back fishing. But I'm not even sure about that anymore. So now, as that boat Bob's on the waves back toward shore. The boat might be empty of fish, but it is full of regret. Over and over, Peter replays in his mind how he failed Jesus, how he cursed Jesus, how he sinned against Jesus. And he feels like a hopeless failure. And I'm gonna guess many of us came bobbing into this room today in a boat just like that with our failures and with our regrets. Oh my God, turn back time. Oh my God, if I just hadn't, if I just hadn't done that, if I just hadn't said that, oh God, give me a second chance. Well, what happens? They get about a hundred yards from shore 
And a voice calls out to them through the thick morning mist that clings to the surface of the water. Hey, have you caught any fish? No. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat. I don't know what got them to do it, but they did it. And when those nets slapped the surface of the water, bam, it's like a whole wall of fish attacked the nets. The boat tips up on its side. The net is so full of fish, it starts to tear. They can't get it back into the boat. John leans over and says to Peter, dude, it's the Lord. Peter doesn't hesitate. He dives headfirst in the water, swims a hundred urgent yards. Physically demanding, emotionally demanding. Swims to show he's got to get to Jesus is his only hope. If Jesus could heal the sick, Jesus can heal what's inside me. He staggers out of the water at the edge of the sea. His clothes are just drenched, beard, hair dripping, water. His chest is heaving from the exertion. So he catches his breath. Once again, his eyes lock with Jesus. And this time he sees another charcoal fire. Jesus has recreated the sin, excuse me, the scene of Peter's sin, denial, cursing. Jesus extends his nail-pierced hands. Come here, friend. There's nothing you've ever done. There's nothing you can ever do that will ever disrupt, disturb our friendship. Peter, our friendship is forever. Peter, we need to talk. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Guess how many times that back and forth happens between Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know it three times. One time for each denial. One time for each curse. One time for each sin. Peter, do you love me? And Peter does the second step toward getting a second chance. Remember step one, do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. He's the only hope you've got for your marriage, for your finances, for your emotions, for your mental health, for your physical well-being. Do whatever it takes to get to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Number two, reaffirm, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know. With every reaffirmation of love, Peter gets something. Number one, he gets forgiven. Number two, I mean, have you ever been, you hurt somebody, you offended somebody and you're forgiven, they forgive you, but they don't love you no more. Have you been there? Jesus ain't that way. Jesus, I forgive you and I love you. You are forgiven and you are loved and here's the very best part ever, ever, ever. You are fully restored. You haven't gone too far. God is not done with you. I need you. I want you. You are fully restored. So today, we've got to make this really personal because we lie to ourselves and Satan lies to us. So we're going to say the truth out loud. I want you to hear the truth with the sound of your own voice. I want you to put yourself to sleep tonight with these truths. I'm going to say them, you say them after me. Here we go together. I am forgiven. I am loved. 
I am fully restored. That's the truth about you. You are forgiven. All sins forgiven. You are loved. Within a, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. That's the truth about you. You are forgiven. You are loved. And you are fully restored. In fact, every time Jesus led Peter through this question and answer. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Peter, then Jesus just burned a purpose and meaning into his heart because here was, here's how it worked. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, you're still on my team. You're still on my side. Serve, if you love me, serve me. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then Peter... Get in the game. Get off the sidelines of shame. Let go of the guilt. Get in the game and serve me. Be my shepherd. Tend my flock. If you love me, serve me. This is how you know that you've received full restoration. You begin to serve the Lord. Third question. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then Peter, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Think about somebody else. If you love me, serve me. Get in the game. If you love me, serve me. If you love me, serve me. And he did. He was transformed. I don't want you to think that it was microwaved in that moment, but within a month, Peter got a chance to share his new hope of forgiveness and unfailing love and full restoration. He got a chance to share it with people who'd really screwed up real royally. He said, you guys killed Jesus. He was God's son. God raised him from the dead, but you did the dirty deed. Ah, what can we do for a second chance, a clean start, a fresh slate? Peter said this, turn to God, change your life. Each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the spirit of the living God inside you. I mean, through his whole life, he would share the hope that he had found by the resurrection of Jesus, the hope for forgiveness, the hope for unfailing love, the hope for full restoration. In fact, when he wrote it, it almost feels like a song to sing. First Peter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living, 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 undying, unfailing, forever hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's chapter one, opening sentence in chapter one of his first letter that he wrote. Here's chapter three. You want a clean slate? You want a second chance? Honor Christ. Honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your marriage, of your finances, of your emotions, of your thoughts. Let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. The Bible never says share your faith. The Bible says share your hope. Would you stand with me, please? Please receive the blessing of this prayer. If you'd bow your heads, close your eyes. Our Father God, we humble ourselves before you with, with heads bowed so that we can look into our own hearts. 
with eyes closed so that we shut out all the distractions, so that we shut out all the lies Satan wants to throw up in front of us, so we can shut out our failures and just see you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you know we love you. And we're a mess. I'm a mess, these guys are messes. We're here to get our messes closer to Jesus because Jesus is our only hope. Our only hope for forgiveness. Our only hope for unfailing love. Our only hope for full restoration. Lord, we're staying in the game. You want us on your team forever, Lord? We're there. We're your friends. You're our friend that's sticking closer than a brother. We're there. We'll never get done saying thank you for restoring us fully. Thanks for not being through with us. Thanks for not casting us aside. Thanks for forgiving us freely, loving us completely, restoring us fully. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.